Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. You're left after that, and I remember our president of our Bible school, and I think I've shared this story at least once, and um, you know, our campus was run down. This was in Rhode Island, just outside of Boston. And uh, every year, we were in the red, in debt, $300,000. The school, uh, the way they were set up was that they were undercharging for tuition and everything else because their approach was ministry. Nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, the costs kept being elevated. The winters were colder. They needed more oil to warm up the dorms and the classrooms, all of that. And our president in 2004, I remember they had a big chapel service and there was like this big unveiling. And now it's kind of relevant because, you know, in a couple of months, we're going to turn the page to a new year and it's 2020. So he called it the 2020 vision. And it literally meant that in whatever 16 years, they were going to like overhaul and redo and renovate the entire campus. And they had the drawings, the plans, and everything. And as students, we were very excited. Not that I would still be a student, right? But, but that like this is good. This is a good thing to do for a, a Bible school that believes in their mission to train and equip ministers of the, for the gospel. And so... We were all excited and, and saw the plans and everything like that. And I want you to know that it's good for us to prepare and to have a plan. Amen? But check, check out what happened. It would have taken 15 or 16 years to achieve this 2020 vision from 2004 to the year 2020, which is next year. But David Green, how many of you go over to Buffalo Hobby Lobby? Right? Hobby Lobby? No, not yet. Maybe you need to go visit Buffalo google it and find the store it's amazing and what's interesting is we've never met this guy never heard of his name before in new england way back but david green who is the ceo of hobby lobby gave an entire campus to what was then called zion bible college which today is called north point bible college the school i attended and they relocated to this new campus in Haverhill, Massachusetts in 2007. Get this, at a cost of $16.5 million. Did you catch the year? 2007. And we were in 04. That was just three years of a window. And the beauty of it is we had a plan, but it was like a 16, 15, 16-year 16 plan. And there's, it was a good plan. But God had a better plan. And today, with God's help, I want to talk to you for the time that we have about God's incubator. God's incubator. You see, there are suddenly seasons where God does things that should have taken a lifetime, and He does them all of a sudden. Like for us in the Bible school, I was already graduated, but I was still going back, doing some music stuff with the school. And when I heard that news, I was like, this is amazing. Like we were thinking 16 years, but God had a better plan and it was only three years away. And so there are those suddenly seasons where just like that, God does it. But if, if you've lived long enough, you realize that most of life is not a suddenly season. 
Instead, it's the exact opposite. And it feels like, uh, you know, God puts us in an incubator for a season. And, and today, you know, maybe some of you, you have a mental picture of incubator. So you could think of like eggs hatching, little chicks coming out. Maybe you think of, you know, babies in the NICU, right? But there's also nowadays, you know, it's not just babies, but even businesses, right? There's a business incubator. Some of you who don't know what that is, it's a company that helps new and startup companies to develop by providing services such as management, training, um, or office space. So an incubator, the definition is simply this. It's a controlled and protective environment. And then the purpose of it is it's designed for development. It's safe. And the intent of an incubator is the development of whatever is placed inside of it. So for a business, it's a startup usually. It's a small company maybe that's struggling. So they have these business incubators where there are people, there's support, and it helps the business get off the ground and grow. Right? For babies, we know. Um, you know, and I've been to a few of the hospital and those units praying for the little babies, sticking your hands in the little holes where the gloves are. You can put your hand in, and I was just praying for some babies. You know, and there's a, a period where they need that because maybe they're not fully developed or there is some complication and it needs time to heal in a safe environment, but so that it can develop. And I want you to know that you and I, we have to get this understanding that there is an incubation season where God will put us in, in, in this incubator, so to speak, and there's a purpose. There's an intent behind it. And so some of us might be getting frustrated with where we're at, in what season we find ourselves in. But if you're in an incubator season, I want you to know this, that the incubator is not meant to be a lifetime, but it's meant to be a season. It's not the end. It's just helping you get to a place that God needs you to be. And so I believe God wants to develop you and me. You know, I heard one pastor put it this way uh, when he was asked, How are, what's your effective strategy to, you know, winning the loss to Christ and changing our city? And he said, oh, it's actually very simple. He said, we are going to raise disciples that are strong and healthy here because then they're going to go out into their world and change their world for Christ. And so, you know, as the church, this can be a sort of an incubator for us when we gather. There's a purpose behind it, but it cannot stay here. Amen? It has to, uh, once we're developed, once we're ready, it has to go there. It has to leave this place. And I want to say this as our groundwork, and then we're going to get to the scriptures. Your environment is important, right? That's the whole point of the incubator. The environment is important, but your heart can't be overlooked. You might be in the right atmosphere or environment, but you're still bitter. Your heart is still broken. You might be in the right place, but you still have heart issues. And today, if you're here and that's you, I believe God wants to bring healing to those areas because he has you in the right atmosphere. You're here, but your heart can't be overlooked either. And it's not, you know, it's not your behavior. It's not necessarily your habits. It's your heart God is after today. 
So if you have your Bible, would you stand as we honor the Lord and His Word and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. It might be a familiar story, but I'm trusting that God will bring fresh insight for us as we read and as we ask Him to speak to our hearts. So verse 1 of 1 Kings 17, it's on the screen behind me, and here's what it says. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning as we come around your word. Lord, we know Isaiah 55:11 says that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes whatever you need it to in our hearts and in our lives. And so, Father, today I pray that your word would speak. And Lord, let the seed of your word go deep into everyone's heart today. Let it produce in us the transformation you so desire to see. And God, we thank you. We ask you all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at the text today, um, you know, verse 1 Elijah speaking to King Ahab, who, by the way, was not a good king. He was an evil king. And Elijah and him butted heads. So, you know, for Elijah to get to this point, it's not just because he had a bad day. Some of us who have bad days, maybe you're like, today I'm going to show him, right? We get, we get like that. But, uh, but Ahab wasn't a good king. And so Elijah, as hard as it must have been, he was a pretty strong character as well. He wasn't afraid and he wouldn't back down. If you continue reading the next couple of chapters, you'll see some great examples. But, but he tells him, listen, this is what's going to happen. And he says, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years. Now, if you're in government or you're the king, that's not good news for you nor your people. Amen? That's not good news. So... Elijah proclaims this word, and guess what? It begins to happen. Elijah was a prophet who spoke on God's behalf. And in verse 3, the Lord speaks to Elijah and tells him, gives him very specific instruction. He says, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook. And the Lord is leading Elijah in a very specific way to a specific place. Get this. For a specific season, right? Famine is coming as a result of no rain. No crops are going to grow for a few years. We don't, you know, he doesn't tell King Ahab for how long. But what we know is that God always has Elijah's back. Now, I want to say this to you. You might feel like, why do my friends get blessed? 
Why are they receiving in worship? And maybe you're looking around saying, and what about me? Right? Listen, worship is never about your neighbor. It's about the posture of your heart towards heaven. And so what's important is that you position yourself in such a way that you can receive. And if you're careful, we talked about hearing the word of the Lord recently. If you're careful and you're listening, God is giving you his instruction. God is giving you his word. And when he does that, it's not just for us to take and put on a shelf. It's for us to act on. And so the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and God leads him. He tells him, go to the east. So that's direction. Some of you might need direction in your life. God can give you direction, but you have to yield your life to him. Go east. And he tells him, go east and hide. So what's the intent of this season? It's for him to be in hiding, in not to be exposed, not to be confronting the prophets of Baal yet. But he says, in this season, I'm going to put you in an incubator and there's a purpose that you're going to be in hiding. I don't want people to find you. But at the same time, while everyone else is worried about the famine because of the lack of rain, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you have a place to drink. I'm going to make sure that you have food to eat. And I'm going to make sure that the man of God is healthy. Listen, son and daughter of the king, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. And in the season of incubation, think of Elijah as God's mouthpiece. It's not, he can't just talk to himself. As the mouthpiece, as the prophet of God, his role was to announce to the people whatever God wanted him to say. So God is saying, you're not going to do that in this season. In this season, you're going to go and hide. And if you are anything like Elijah, he didn't question him. But if you're anything like me, you'd have questions. And you'd say, but God, you gave me this promise. You called me for this purpose. Why am I going to go hide? Like I've declared this word. Yeah, but there's, surely there's more to declare. And I want you to know God maybe has spoken. This is a year of promise for Weston, right? This is our word for the year. But are you willing to still follow him if it looks or sounds a little different than the promise he gave you? Are you willing to trust him as he leads you to that promise, to that calling? And you see, Elijah, it wasn't like, but God, but, but, but no excuses. He said, I'm going to go where God is leading me. And Elijah goes. In verse 4, he tells them, drink from the brook. Again, location. Not just east, but he's telling him, you're going to drink from the Kareth brook. That's how you're going to be able to have water, whereas everyone else, they won't have the supply. And eat what the ravens bring you. <laughs> that sounds awesome, God. Don't ravens eat the food? Isn't that what birds do? Isn't that birds of prey especially? Isn't that what they do? And so we see there's the drought and there's the famine. And God provides for Elijah. And it's a mix of natural provision by proximity. Because he's saying, "Be here's the brook. So he had to be there. So there's that provision by proximity, which was natural source. And then there was the supernatural supply from the birds. And... and God can do whatever he wants. 
you know, maybe you're here and that this is the whole message for you today is you, you are so thick in the head, so stubborn in your own ways. But I want you to know if, if the Holy Spirit can speak through me, Holy Spirit, do it now. That God can do whatever he wants. Even if you think there's a better way, he can do it his own way. You can disagree, but God will still be right. <laughs> think about it. The ravens are going to feed you. Here's the water. It's a natural source, natural supply because of the close proximity to that place. But then there's a supernatural supply and it defies logic. It goes beyond human understanding or comprehension. He uses ravens. What that tells me and has to remind all of us is it won't always come the way you expect it. God, you know, you want him to show up. You want him to move. And I think so many times we pray how we think it's supposed to be. Like, God, please, you know, change my boss's heart so I could get the raise and then I don't have to work with her and him and I could go to the other office and I like that person better. And we pray our opinion to God and expect him to move and do it our way. But hear the word of the Lord. God could do it however he wants. In fact, can I give you a little tip? I've learned to remove my opinion from prayer as much as I can as much as I'm aware of it. I'd be like, no, Jonathan, that's what you think. This is, this is limited thinking. And I say, God, you know the need, or Lord, you know the challenge I'm having in this cubicle. And Lord, whatever you want to do, would you just do it? And you begin to lay everything down. Instead of you taking up your cause to the Lord, you lay it down and you say, God, here, I lay down the burden of this situation. Would you lead me and guide me through it? And here's the reality. A lot of us, we want God to deliver us from the problem or the challenge or the journey. But I believe more often than not, God walks with us through it. Right? Jesus said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So there are things, yes, again, like a suddenly season, God delivers us miraculously. But there are more often than not times where I've learned God just holds my hand and walks me through some of life's hardships. When my mom died when I was 23 in a car accident, I talked about Bible school, right? I had just come home from being away for four years. Mama's boy, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to be home. The, the door for ministry opened in my home city of Montreal, so I was able to live at home and mooch off my parents. Come on, any people living at their parents' house, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, Mom, is dinner ready yet? Not yet, right? We, so I was there, and I get it. But through it, I'm like, Lord, I wish. Like, why me? Why? Right? But I realized, no. God walked with me through that journey. Where I'm standing today, I have an amazing wife. So that's part of it. But through that season, I'm here because God was the one holding my hand through it all. And so know that where God is going to lead you, he's going to guide you, he's going to see you through. And if it's an incubator season, don't fret. Don't worry. There's a purpose. God is developing you into the person he needs you to be. Can somebody say amen? Right? So he uses ravens. It won't always come the way you expect. And you might expect God to show up, right? 
but birds show up. But guess what? God was using the birds to bring the food. And what's interesting is uh, it wasn't just a bit of food, but like they fed him twice a day. Like, like the meal was pretty decent during famine and drought and all of that. Like God is, we prayed it before, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The providence aspect of, of God, his nature, is that he's a giving God. Amen? He's a giving God. When I think of Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain for the sacrifice, while they're coming up this side, it's like here's the ram coming up the other side, and, and God was preparing the provision for Abraham, and he passed the test. He was faithful, but God provided for him. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So don't forget, this world might go through crisis and chaos moments. It's okay. We know the provider of everything. He is our source. He is our source. So don't forget about that. But verse 7 tells us something very important that we can't overlook either, that eventually the brook dried up. You know what that signifies in this story? That God was getting ready to take Elijah out of that incubator season and move him on to continue the work that he called him to do. So you see, there is, it's a season. There's, there's an end to this incubator process. We don't keep babies as they're developing and they're, they're gaining their weight and their strength and function. They don't stay in an incubator. Can I get a witness? It's true. The incubator season is meant to be just that, a season. The problem is that some of us get so comfortable and used to the incubator that we forget it's only meant to be temporary. What do I mean? Well, the birds are bringing me the food. There's water here. I'm alone. There's no one to challenge me or bother me. I'm just putting myself in Elijah's shoes for a while. And some of us, we're at that point where you've been in church a long time. You've been developing, but you've been sitting in an incubator season for so long that I believe if if there's our spiritual parents in the house, we're telling you it's time to step out. You're like you're this the water's dried up, you're developed, you need to now get get going. And and here, don't get upset at me if this is ruffling your feathers, but hear the word of the Lord today. You know, Hebrews 5, there's a great reminder there, starting at verse 11. It says this, there's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Verse 12, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again and again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So you see, you know, if I was feeding my son Josiah just milk, you'd all look at me like, Pastor John, are you okay? Is Priscilla aware that all he does is drink milk, right? No, of course. He's got teeth and we give him meat. We let him eat. Right? We understand that from a baby, a human child perspective, 
But spiritually, some of us have a hard time understanding, but it's so simple and basic that you've been eating or drinking rather milk when like your, your body's ready for the meat and potatoes of the word of God, where instead of you just saying, teach me, teach me, I believe God is saying, no, you should be developed enough to now start teaching others. By the way, let me just say this. Friday night, we've resumed Connect Night here at the church. And maybe you're here and you're not meat potatoes, but you're at the milk stage. I encourage you to come Friday nights and receive. We dig into the Bible. We're growing in our faith, in our relationships with one another. And we connect with God's word and with one another. So don't miss it. If you're here, you have no excuse to say, I'm not being fed. If you're an adult, feed yourself, right? You know the word of God. Feed yourself. Feed on it daily. It's the daily bread. But if you're a baby, we can't expect you to know how to go to the table, you know, get everything, put food on your plate. Come Fridays, we're going to help you with that. That's our promise. So I just had to say that. As, you know, this incubator season, some of us get too comfortable. And church is an incubator where we're supposed to develop and grow, but if we're not careful, we can twist, pervert, and water down the purpose of God's church and forget that we gather here so that we can go back there. So there's a discipling process that happens here, but it has to then go there. We gather as the church. We gather together, we worship together, we grow together. Iron sharpens iron together. You know, conflict is not a bad thing, by the way, right? We like the idea of iron sharpening iron, but that's friction or confliction, if I can, right? There's a, there's a conflict happening, there's a discussion happening, there's iron that's sharpening iron. We're growing, we're learning together. We don't, always have to, we don't always have to agree on every single little thing. We can agree to disagree sometimes, as long as it's not changing what the Word of God has already established for us. So incubation is only for a season. Let me just give you some quick other examples in Scripture. You could jot them down, research them, prepare the meal for yourself, if you will. And so we have Moses, right? Forty years in his upbringing in Egypt. Then he has 40 years in the wilderness season where he's a shepherd. That's his incubator season. But then the word of the Lord comes to him and tells him, you're going to go and you're going to lead my people. And he spends the next 40 years doing that. Then we have Joshua. Joshua followed in Moses' footsteps. And I, I love what Exodus 33:11 says. And it says this, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. Get this. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And I believe in, in those moments, I don't, we don't know. There's no further explanation as to what he would do. I believe, though, there was something that was drawing Joshua, the presence of God, that his heart was in that incubator. God was doing the work on his heart. Then guess what? Joshua would be the one to actually lead God's people after Moses all the way to the promised land. There's David. Um, you know, there's 20 years in between his anointing and his appointing. We've talked about this before. 20 years. We think, God anointed me to do this. I'm, I'm ready. But 
he had to wait 20 years in an incubation season until he was ready now. He had many opportunities to, to grab a hold of it on his own. But every time there was the conviction of the, the Holy Spirit on his life already saying, no, don't do this. No, it's not time. So the timing is important. That's David. How about Jesus? 30 years of preparation for three years of public ministry and then three days of purpose. The death, burial, resurrection, right? Incubation season. Could you imagine Jesus like, but Lord, can I just, can I do this? Can I start? No, it's not time yet. You have to wait. You have to wait. At 12 years old, we see there's a reference where he's in the temple and he's about his father's business. But between the age of 12 to 30, there's nothing really that we're told. He's in an incubation season. That's Jesus. But what about the disciples? They were with him for three years. They had, that was a great incubator of faith, right? To see Jesus do everything that he had done. And yet we look at the disciples and then we still see Judas. And Judas had the exact same opportunity as everyone else. But I just want to tie up everything that we've said in this way. Judas had the same opportunity as all the other disciples, but a totally different outcome amounted from his life. You see, Judas was raised in the ultimate environment for incubating faith, just like all the other disciples. With Judas's eyes, he saw the clearest evidence. With his ears, he heard the finest preaching or teaching. And with his feet, he followed the greatest example. And yet this man still betrayed Jesus. Think about it. What does it tell us? The Bible says that it was Judas's heart because he, he was skimming money all the time. He had a greedy hand and he would take money. And when the opportunity came, the Bible says that Satan filled him. So he, he did something that opened the door, that polluted his heart, that was enough for the devil to come in and to take over. And Judas was totally sold out in the worst possible way. Now, we obviously understand God's purpose in everything and all of that and how Jesus was betrayed and it led to him dying on the cross for our sins. We get all that. But when we look at Judas, we have to, again... You could be in the right environment, but you can't overlook your heart. Your heart is the essence. And here's what Proverbs 4.23 says. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. What does it mean to guard your heart? Do everything in your power to protect it. You know, like when I think of our physical heart, it's, it's actually very well guarded internally. There's the ribs, you know, it's like it's well protected. But we're obviously talking spiritually today. That some of us, we've let the guard down. You might be in the best, and I believe Weston is one of the best churches in this city. And I believe that with all my heart, but you could be in the best environment, the best church, the best incubator, in the right season. But if your heart is not affected and God doesn't touch your heart, what's the point? What's the point? It's still rotten. 
it's still rotten. God wants to do work. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to invite um, Chris and Jody to, to come back up. I close with this story. I remember growing up, my, my uncle Pat in Montreal, he had a home where there was like a main kitchen, and then in the basement there was another kitchen. And he had like closet doors closing it off with a padlock. So as a kid, we'd always just go check, is, is it unlocked? Is this opened? And it never was. Until one day, my dad gave me a genius idea and said, why don't you just ask him to show you what's inside? And so he explained everything to me. It was his dark room. My Uncle Pat is a photographer. And uh, some of you are like a dark room for pictures, right? With our iPhones, we've kind of done away with that. But if you remember film, 35 millimeter, all that stuff. So he would take his photos, and then in this converted kitchen, it was his dark room, he would actually develop photos. And I remember once, he's like, don't, it had black curtains entering. He goes, don't open that. Don't open, because if light comes, it's going to ruin what, what God is, God, this is the application. If light comes, it's going to ruin as this, this image as it's developing. It's going to be overexposed to the light as a result of the light. And what happened was um, he showed me the whole process. And, and as we apply it to what we've heard today, here's the application that there are some things that need to be developed in the dark before they come to light. There are things that need to be developed in the dark before they come to light. What does that mean? Right? Elijah, you're going to hide here. You're going to wait for a bit. And then I'm going to use you for these other things still. And some of us, we get, we, we get tripped up because we're in the development stage. Don't, don't be in a hurry to get out of it. God is developing something. And what do we mean by before, you know, the light? Before you begin understanding and, and rising to that platform of influence that God has called you to as a church, as a family, as an individual. You know, I have one more story, but I'm going to skip it today. Um, and I believe, as we've heard the word today, I don't know what season you're in. Maybe you are in an incubator season. I get it. Don't grow weary in doing good. At the appropriate time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. At the same time, you might be here, and it doesn't matter what season you're in. You're like, but my heart is rotten. My heart is sick, and I need a Savior. I have the best news I could ever share with you today, is that Jesus came, and he died for you and for me. He died, you know, when David sinned as the king, he prayed, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And, and here's the thing. He then prayed, cast me not away from your presence. The reality is when we have sin in the way, it's not that God is more distant. It's that we are more distant. It's, it's the sin that separates us from him. And so David was feeling that. So he said, Lord, cast me not away from your presence. Listen, I want to pray for you today as we're here. I'm going to ask that every uh, head be bowed, every eye closed. And, and this is a very personal moment because I believe 
the heart, it is hidden for a reason, but it, it is not hidden from God. It's hidden to be protected, but God sees right through bone and marrow. He sees right through all the facade, and he looks at you today, and he says, I already know, so why don't you just fess up? Why don't you just get real with me? I'm ready to do the deep cleansing work that only I can do in your life. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. And all I'm going to ask is that if you need God to touch you in a specific way, as we've been talking about, would you lift your hands to heaven? I, I believe that as we pray, God is here. And I've already said it, that he's going to do the work that only he can do. There are hands all over this place. And we believe Holy Spirit is here and he's ready to move on your behalf. He's, he's not content with status quo for your life. Jesus came so that you might have life and life to the full. And you can't do that with a, a wicked heart. So Father, today in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every hand that's lifted. Lord, you know the whole circumstance and the reason. You know the root. And I pray even now in Jesus' name that you would reveal and expose the root of the sin, expose the root of the wickedness. Lord, that is robbing your people from receiving what they need to develop in whatever season of life they find themselves in. God, I thank you that there are people all over this place who are getting real with you. Lord, who are honest enough to lift their hands. And if you've lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me because it's with our declaration of our mouth that we see the Lord move as we call upon his name. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer and ask that you would repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, come on everyone together as a family. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. That he took my sin upon him. Thank you for the heart that you've given me. And I pray that you would cleanse it. Give me a pure and holy heart. That would bend towards the heart of the Father. I renounce the flesh. And every evil desire that comes with it. I desire to live for you every single day of my life. I give you my heart. It is wholly yours. Would you come and make me new? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, one more thing. That wasn't a prayer of, you know, salvation. But if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you're here today and you're like, I need this Jesus that you've been talking about. I need for something to change in my life. And you're ready to surrender your heart to the Lord. I want to, is, is there anyone here? I want to lead you in a similar prayer, but we need to confess that he is Lord of all. Is there anyone here today? And the reason I don't ask you to close your eyes or anything is it's a, it's a public walk. Once we leave this place and, uh, you know, we've been called to live for Jesus. And so today as we've come, you know, this is, this is the service. We're going to sing a song. They're going to sing and lead us in a song to close us out. But here's the reality. Though the service is winding up, church doesn't end, 
right? As we leave this place from especially tomorrow when we get to the real life situations, that's where church starts for us, for real, where we are the church, wherever we are, wherever we go. We carry his presence and we're called to be the difference in our situations, in our lives, in others' lives as well. So I just want to close us out with prayer now but as they close us out with a song as well. Father, we thank you for the time that we've spent together. Lord, we thank you as the, Lord, your word speaks, Lord, we have to respond. As your word speaks, Lord, it has to do its transforming work in our lives, which produces action as a response. So God, as we go, Lord, would you use us as your hands and feet? Whatever season we find ourselves in, I thank you that there's a purpose. I thank you that a season is only a season. It's not the end. So would you help us, Lord? Would you hold hands with us as we walk through life's journey? And God, we do this in a way that we will win the prize at the end. We love you, Lord. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.